Amen. He is risen. Yeah, all right, you can clap on that one. Like, <laughs> that's okay. Who's the last person you know resurrected from the dead? Yeah. That list is pretty small. Do you remember uh, the Lord of the Rings, in particular, the stories about the Hobbit? The Hobbit. You remember those? Are you a Hobbit fan? Yeah, are you a Hobbit fan? Lord of the Rings fan? (laughs) I have some work to do here. (laughs) So... uh, I'm thinking of the scene where uh, Bilbo it, comes and, and, and they're getting into Smog's lair, the, the dragon that collects riches. And he hasn't seen it yet. And they, the dwarves that he's with tell him, we want you to go get one stone, the Arkenstone. So he walks in, kind of comes around a corner, and there's this vast cavern of incredible riches, mounds and heaps of, of gold and silver that he, would, he has to climb over. That's how great it is. Crowns and platters, gems and jewels, just thrown in vast quantities in this cavernous room. And he is there to find one stone, the Arkenstone. And he asks the dwarves, how will I know what it looks like? And they said, you'll know. For it is as great as the mounds and vast heaps of riches are, there is one that is above all other. Now they are temporal riches and treasure. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is like a vast cavern filled with eternal treasures. Treasures that don't stay here when we move on. Treasures that aren't uh, rusted or lost or stolen. Treasures that are eternal and lasting and bring true meaning and life to the soul, not just to the body. I start listing some of those treasures. Forgiveness with God. Propitiation, which means the full payment to satisfy a cost. Adoption, predestination, sanctification, which means to make pure and holy. Glorification, which means to remove sin completely. Justification, which means to declare as sin no longer having any uh, authority in a person's life. Peace of God, peace with God, joy of the Spirit, acceptance, new life, hope, love, purification, purpose, eternal life, rescue, power, authority, knowledge of God, meaning experience with God, righteousness, promises of God, gift of the Holy Spirit, the pleasure of God, the riches of grace, internal change, heaven, the ability to see and to praise God, uh, 
awakening from death, inheritance with the saints, the kingdom of light, wisdom, things that we don't even know that we have until we see God. All of these things are like these vast mounds of riches that we experience over and over and over because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But of all the riches, there is one Arkenstone, I think. The Arkenstone is redemption. Redemption. We sang about it. The, the essence of redemption means to, to pay the appropriate price to buy something back. It appears early in the Old Testament when God tells his people, if you sell a house, you have a year with which to redeem it. You have a year where you can come back and pay the appropriate price and receive and get back what was yours. Slaves, this was unique among the Israelites. Slaves were able to buy back their freedom if they somehow received money or relative was willing to pay the appropriate price, they could have their freedom back. And of course, this time of year, the greatest example of redemption is called the Passover, the celebration that the Jews have at this time of year, celebrating the release, the redemption, the buying back of them out of Egypt to become their own nation. In fact, here's an interesting verse how God views the redemption of his people, which is the most significant event in the life of Israel, perhaps say, I should say the second most significant event celebrated every year. God says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, this is before it happens. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you, meaning I will pay the price for you and bring you out with outstretched arm and a mighty act of judgment. And I thought about that and I thought, what is God saying? God is saying, the price the Egyptians paid to enslave you was they used their military might and power and acts of violence to to put you into slavery, and now I am going to pay them back in full the price they paid for you, and with my mighty hand and, and my power, I am going to bring the violence and the judgment that they deserve upon them that will so free you. I will pay the appropriate price and redeem you as a nation. Just that thought alone is terrifying to me. that God will pay the appropriate price. Now this idea of redemption became a major theme throughout the Old Testament. It is the Arkenstone of salvation. It is the Arkenstone of God's great riches. It is the, the means whereby we enter into it is this paying out. And so constantly throughout the Old Testament, there's these verses where people think and, and theologians and writers and prophets talk about this thing called redemption. And in Psalm, verse, Psalm 49, which is Psalms are the, kind of the songs and the poetry of the Hebrew people, uh, we see that and, uh, the writer, the sons of Korah write, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. 
They, they, they thought through this idea of paying the price, the appropriate price for the soul of a person, and the writer comes to the conclusion, nobody can pay that price. Who can pay the price of the soul of another? And yet, we all want to be redeemed out of death. No one wants to die, but we all die. Why? Because we can't pay the price to appropriate, the appropriate price to pay back for our life. And that's what the author says. The ransom for life is costly. No payment is never enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. That's like a theological stake driven into the ground, the idea of this redemption, but we can't pay it. What is this price? Uh, another, another writer in Psalm 130 writes, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, there's the price, who could stand? Well, we know in the last book of the Bible, God does keep a record of our lives, all of it. And so the question is really rhetorical. None of us can stand. If God holds us accountable for the reality of our lives, the good that we do as well as the bad, the sin, who's going to be able to stand? But, now, there, here's the hope. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. And at the end, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I can't pay the price for my redemption. I can't pay the price for what sin has done in my soul. Why? Well, it's like, it, it, it's because each day, I, me, like you, I keep sinning. It's like Canada keeps borrowing, the government of Canada keeps borrowing, borrowing, and borrowing money, and the debt gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and some people are really concerned about that because eventually we'll borrow so much that we can't pay back the interest, and then the debt just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and nobody can pay it, and that's the situation we're in. We Not only have we sinned, and not only have we practiced sin our whole life, we keep doing it, and the debt gets bigger and bigger. Who can pay that? And we're told here, the psalmist thinking through it says if you keep track of everything and hold me account I'll never be able to stand but you with you there's forgiveness you have the answer to this in fact Hosea who writes several hundred years after this writes this God is speaking I will deliver this people from the power of the grave I will redeem them from death. I will pay the appropriate price and I will buy them back from the grave from death. And just think about that. What causes death? Sin, the scripture says. And already before the New Testament comes along, the, the, the theologians, the thinkers, the writers of the word of God have come to the conclusion that God and God alone is able to redeem us from our sins, but not us. Fast forward. Not that the concept of redemption uh, gets dropped, 
but uh, we just don't have time to go through every passage in the scriptures. And uh, fast forward to John, or uh, rather Romans chapter three, and, and the writer, Paul, says, he comes to the conclusion, for all have sinned. By the way, all is me, all is you. All have sinned. And therefore, we all fall short of the glory of God. Meaning, none of us has the right to stand before God. Who can stand? The Old Testament writers already said that. But, all are justified freely. Now, justification is a legal term that means when a judge would hear a case and hear the evidence and would make a pronouncement, and if the judge said to a a person who was being tried, you are free. There was only one of two reasons why the judge would ever say that. One, they were entirely innocent, which we already know from Scripture, the Old Testament, we're not innocent. That's our problem. Or your debt has been entirely paid, and therefore justice has been fulfilled, and you are free. And Paul picks up that legal concept and he said, yeah, we've all sinned, but all of us are justified freely by his grace through the redemption, there it is again, that came by Christ Jesus. Through the redemption of Jesus going in and paying the debt, paying the appropriate price for our sin. And that was death. And that's why he died on a cross. And the resurrection of Jesus is the eternal declaration that our debt has been fully paid and there's no longer anything left to pay. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus has paid the appropriate price. And then he turns to us, Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, and he says, in Jesus, we have redemption. In Jesus, we have someone who paid the appropriate price for our sin that we could never pay on our own if we were to stand before God, fully paid it, and then he offers to us through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's unbelievable grace. Not only does he fully pay for our debt, but he doesn't make us pay him back. He forgives us our debt. Forgiveness means to release. It's like a knot that's tied up a boat alongside a dock and you come and you untie the boat and throw the rope onto the boat. You have released it to leave. And that's the idea of forgiveness, to release. And he releases us from the debt of our sin. So what do we know? Redemption, to appropriately pay for the price to free someone. We, because of our sin, cannot pay that debt. But Jesus, on the cross, through his death and resurrection, paid fully for our debt and releases us from payment. Now, two things I want to say. First, there are two twins out of Scripture that hound us. Guilt and shame. 
They're like twins that always seem to fight together against us in our souls. There's good guilt and there's bad guilt. There's good shame and there's bad shame. The good guilt is when we have done something wrong and we have not yet made it right and made restitution. We haven't confessed it, we haven't dealt with it, and so we feel guilty. And that's called good guilt because it's moving us toward confession and repentance and settling and dealing with the evil or wrongdoing that we have done. No relationship that you are in will thrive if you have done wrong to somebody and refused to make it right. Especially if it was a major issue. It destroys relationships. Between us, between us. And then there's bad guilt. It's when I have confessed and I have repented, but then I still carry this burden and this guilt and I feel bad and I feel this shame that is on me because I know what's true of me. You might not know, but I know. And in the quietness before I go to sleep or when I'm driving down the road, there's something that triggers that thought and I remember the truth about me and I feel that heaviness of shame and guilt. And the reason that's bad guilt is because if I have confessed that and repented to God of that and done what I need to do to make restitution if I can, then God says, you by confessing and repenting have given me that sin and I took it to the cross and fully paid for it and you are free. So instead of listening to the condemnation of your soul that we know from scripture comes from a lack of belief in what Jesus has done and or the work of the demonic to remind us of this badness of our soul, then, then when we fully lay it at Jesus' feet, there is release from it because Jesus says, I've paid for it and forgotten about it. Why are you still thinking about it? Don't you trust me? Thank you because I am going to press on that. I so appreciate that word, that, that press on, because that is the issue for us. We carry the guilt and the shame with us, and we let it beat us up, and we think it's from God. I, I can't believe how many people go, oh, well, I never go to church because it makes me feel guilty. In my mind, it's a win-win to come to church. If you are truly guilty and haven't dealt with the sin, then come and deal with it with Jesus. And if you have dealt with it with Jesus, then come and be released from the burden that you're carrying and be reminded that he's paid for it all and that you're free. The second thing I want to remind you of, you don't need to carry the guilt and the shame of sin because it's paid for. And if you've brought it to Jesus, he's paid for it and released you from it if you have received that gift. That's the second thing I want to say. Jesus offers this gift to everyone. Now he doesn't automatically apply it to our account. He offers it to those who would receive it and make the pledge of their life to pledge their life to him. Which is, I'm pointing over to the baptismal tank because that's just what we witnessed. We witnessed a young man, 19 years old, 
pledge his life because of his love for Jesus to Jesus. And so when we are willing to accept God's judgment of us, that we are sinners, all of us have sinned, and so A, admit, yeah, I agree with God's assessment of my life. God doesn't say you're all, everything about you is terrible. He says you have good, but you also have sin, and it's the sin that separates us. And that's my assessment of you. And so when we first, A, admit God's assessment of us, yes, I'm a sinner. And then B, we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection pays for our sin. There's no amount of work I can do. There's no price I can pay for the redemption of my soul. There's nothing I can do to make up for the debt that I am constantly building. Only Jesus and his death and resurrection. There's no other name under heaven where we, we must be saved. Jesus and Jesus alone, when we believe that, we admit I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus died for me and then I see choose to pledge my life to Jesus and to follow him and to obey him. Jesus says, I give to you full redemption, yours. When you admit, believe, and choose to surrender. That is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That the ark and stone of redemption is is activated in our souls when we place our faith in Jesus. And each one of us must choose what we will do with the offer of redemption from Jesus. Please bow your head. I just want to talk to those of you who have carried guilt and shame into this meeting you carry it in your life there's only two reasons for it one you have never confessed it to God and repented from it and that's what God is calling you to do now and a simple prayer to, to say God I that ABC God I totally admit I'm a sinner you don't got to convince me of that I admit it And now I believe that you sent Jesus to pay for my sin and that his death and resurrection is the only thing that can pay. And now I choose to surrender my life to you. I choose to confess my sin and repent from it now. And for those of you who have never settled your sin before God, that's your path. You can pray it right now. Oh God, I know, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And now today, I choose to pledge my life to him. That's your prayer. But for others of you, you have made that prayer, but you're still under the guilt and the shame of your sin. And that's why I bring you back to redemption, because it's all been paid for. Why are you carrying that? Well, I know why you're carrying it, I at times find myself carrying guilt and shame of things from my past too. And it seems like a regular exercise of going back and saying, Jesus, I need to kick up my belief in what you have done by redeeming me. 
I need to remember that it's all laid at the cross, it's fully paid for, and you've set me free from it. Now help me to believe you and your words rather than my emotions, my guilt, and my shame. And I have to wrestle with it. And maybe your prayers, God, I'm there again. But I'm claiming again that redemption that Jesus has given me. And I believe that my sin is paid for because you say it is. And I believe you've released me from it because you say you have. And now I'm going to walk and leave that behind and come back to your cross as many times as I need to until I'm free. Thank you, Jesus, for the redemption that you accomplished through your death and resurrection. We celebrate you. Jesus, you are risen today.